Welcome to Looking for the Ocean, Pixar Journey, where we watch everything Pixar has ever made. That includes movies, short films, tech demos, and more. I am Mark Young, and with me today, as always, is Danny Vincent. Danny, are you excited about today's short films? Hopefully we can get Larry the Cable Guy to be your most watched actor of 2023. From lying, I'm crying. It's probably going to end up happening. Has it inspired you to check out his other, like, feature films? You know, absolutely not. And this is going to come up a lot in our Mater episodes, is that... And I'm going to bring... I, I looked up each one of them. This is what we always brought up in our Mater episodes, is... I think it was in 2018, where I just sat down... Yeah, in August 2018, because these were on Netflix then, pre-Disney+. Plus. I just sat down and watched all of them in a day and put up letterbox reviews for each of them, because I was like... And I will get into how much we watch... I, I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot of these a lot, and not intentionally so... And we can get into all that. But I was like, I should just have my takes of these written down. And then when I was done with that, I put up a list on Letterboxd of Larry the Cable Guy. Because I used to keep... I do kind of still. It's, just, it's hard for me to keep them updated compared to some other lists. Of just my actors ranked. Where it's just Larry the Cable Guy films ranked. And it's just Cars films. And I've been told it often makes people... like. I know Julius, I think, commented on it. It was like, this is one of the funniest lists I've ever seen. <laughs> and I feel like watching a not made role would ruin that list. You know what I mean? Like, the whole joke of that, unless, like, the one Mater thing I, the one Larry the Cable I think I saw was the worst thing, that's something that could make it funny, is if, like, that was the very last thing on the list. So you're just never going to watch any live-action Larry the Cable Guy? I mean, let's let me open up his filmography on Letterboxd. We'll see what his most popular film is that isn't in a cartoon. Yeah, because I feel bad if you would, like, deprive yourself of... I don't know, it's kind of like... Right, like, eventually I'll have to watch Top Gun Maverick. I feel like Larry the Cable Guy is one of those things you just have to check out at some point. Alright, so I've opened up Letterboxd. I have the list. I want you to try to guess... One of the top. It doesn't. If you get, it doesn't matter if you get one. I just need you to get one. One of the top four live action movies that Larry the Cable Guy is in, in views. Delta Farce. It's number four. <laughs> that's, that's, so there you go. Okay. You know what's above it? Larry the Cable Guy. Nope. Well, I'm I'm so confused by him because I don't actually know his filmography. I just think he was in a movie called The Cable Guy, which Jim Carrey He's was in. He's in a movie. Okay, so his fifth most popular movie on Letterbox is Larry Health the Cable Inspector? Guy. Yeah, Health Inspector. And then there's another one called Witless, Witness Protection, which looks like it's kind of the same deal, or they're both just mm-hmm. like Larry the Cable Guy vehicles. Both yeah. of those are the, not the top four either. The other top three are Jingle All the Way 2, Two Fairy 2, both of these are direct-to-video sequels, and A Medea Christmas. Which I feel oh, like, hell yeah. I feel like if he's in A Medea Christmas, that must have been a big deal, Medea meaning Larry the Cable Guy. Like, unless it's like a cameo, <laughs> but if otherwise it's like... You know, the meeting of two icons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I See, I mean, I like Tyler Perry he's things built when they come on. That, but... so he's, he's built eighth in that, so he's probably not a big role in Medea Christmas. Mm-hmm. The sixth billing sounds like he's like the love interest of like Possible. a secondary character, you know? Oh, I thought you were going to say Medea. Like Medea flirts with, or sh- he flirts with Medea. I mean, I well, way. I mean, maybe. It just seems like... If you bring a star in to be the six build thing, it's be it'd be like you I would know, have cast and Alan. What's his name? Who is the guy in Beauty and the Beast? And he's the six build because he's this you know B plot love love boy. I would have had him play Santa, like just the real Santa. Cause you know how it's always funny when in like realistic things where like Santa just shows up for the Christmas special. 
Like how the Ted Lasso Christmas special ends with like the camera panning up and Santa's just flying by. <laughs> like stuff like that. <laughs> oh, I didn't and, like, know that's, that. That's what I would do with Larry the Cable. Yeah, the Ted Lasso Christmas special is very good. Very fun. I may never see Ted Lasso because it's trapped behind the wall of Apple Plus. I really mm-hmm. want to get Paramount Plus for, um, well, Paramount Plus was Showtime for Yellow Jackets. There's too much TV on right now. It's very stressful. <laughs> well, you're in luck. After Barry and Succession end on the same day, there will be and no Ted more Lasso television. And Ted Lasso two days later. Ted Lasso two days later. But I'm supposed to keep up with Succession, Barry, and I'm actually, I'll be honest, I'm probably waiting for Ted Lasso to end for me to binge this season. Not because mm-hmm. I was going to watch it live, but it's like these other two shows, like, Succession right now, it's always it's already hard for me to get it in before Wednesday. And it comes out on Sunday night. So, to me, it's like, uh, how am I going to fit in Ted Lasso and Barry? You know, I'm going to definitely prioritize Barry when Barry's out, but mm-hmm. no, not... Well, yeah. I want to know about your experience with these shorts, when we can tell the audience what we're talking about oh, in yeah. greater so, detail. But... Here's a little backstory for you guys. In 2008, Pixar revealed their first, air quotes, TV show. Because it's not really a TV show, it's a bunch of shorts that aired on TV. And they mm-hmm. are called Cars Tunes. I put that in air quotes because really these are Mater's Tall Tales. Eventually yeah. there's a series called Tales from Radiator Springs, but it doesn't start till five years after this. So even though they're calling these Cars Tunes all under one banner, in my opinion, there's Mater's Tall Tales and then there's Tales from Radiator Springs. Mater's Tall Tales is basically a series of shorts to kind of flesh out the Cars universe while also like honestly kind of setting up the tone of Cars 2. I don't know if that was originally the intent, because I believe Cars 2 eventually spins off of a Cars tune they had so many ideas for, they're like, fuck it, let's just make it a movie, you know? But Cars tunes premiere on in October on Disney Channel, Toon Disney, and ABC Family. One of these films is not a TV episode. Tokyo mm-hmm. Mater actually gets premiered with Bolt in theaters on December 12th, 2008. Now, Tokyo Mater, fun fact, I believe is the only one of these, before I did my big Mater-thon in 2018, uh, that's what I should have called the Mater-thon, um, but <laughs> before I did the Mater-thon, it's, I think it's one of the few I didn't see, because Tokyo Mater, which we'll definitely, well, we're going to discuss all four of the first ones in this episode, but Tokyo Mater is significantly longer than any other car short, car student short, because I think it played in theaters is one reason, but the other thing that's interesting about it is I didn't see it because it premiered in theaters in bold i think i don't know if it's exclusively in 3d i guess i'd have to check the citations but i think i remember at the time it was only at the 3d showings of bolt and also it was in december 2008 oh okay that explains why i had no memory of tokyo mater because i've seen i saw bolt in theaters but i guess i didn't see it in 3d because well, i had no memory of tokyo mater not only that tokyo mater did not premiere in theaters until december 12 2008 bolt released on thanksgiving weekend so they added it later on to try to give it a boost over the Christmas holidays. It's the opposite of the Olaf short, where they pushed it to try to get people to go to Coco, and they pulled it because people were getting so mad at the Olaf short. <laughs> it, it, now, actually, you know, this might be a fun... T- well, it's not really a, that fun of a detour, but... No, sorry. <laughs> I was going to bring back one of our running bits, even though it was not an intentional bit, where I was going to be like, you were homeschooled, right? Even though I know you weren't. <laughs> it's just what do you a fun mean? running bit. What? I don't remember that being a running bit. I feel like once every like three months I ask, you were homeschooled, right? You're like, no, I wasn't. <laughs> no, I think you're thinking of someone else. No, Caleb, I always go like, Caleb, maybe it's Caleb I do that too. I don't know. I think you're thinking of Caleb. Okay. Were you homeschooled? 
No. Oh, you know how you Matt can't like Smith, try to make this a bit with me po- now. It's a bit with Front of the podcast, Matt Smith was homeschooled, and if he's not homeschooled, I know he listens, so he can send us in a a little um a little like voice clip to put in. Excuse me, I am not actually homeschooled. <laughs> take a little fourth wall break. I like that people have no idea who Matt Smith is. Is he going to be a guest later on? No, he doesn't. Because have right a mic. now, people think that we're talking about the Doctor Who actor. And Matt as Smith. far as they, we can keep it that way. It'll, it'll be funny. Yeah. Um, Anyway, but dude, when you were growing up, because you you went to school, that's the whole point here. Is uh, I went to school, yeah. I'm I just woke up, Mark. Okay, I woke up. I had some pancakes. I washed these shorts. I need to shower. Do you have a this. light in your room? Why is your uh, yeah. room dark? Because it's I have a lot of like daylight right here. Mm. See, so to okay. me, it's unless you really want me to turn on the lights. Not that the listeners at home notice this. No, I I no, it doesn't matter. I like to the mood me. lighting. I don't know. It's I just comfy. saw that your overhead light was off, and I have a thing now where I'm living with someone, and it's like, why do you have the overhead light on? And it's like, well, because the windows are large, but I'm getting light bounced from like a brick wall into the room, so I like to have an overhead light as well, even though it's not like energy efficient. It's slightly yeah. more just to not have like I mean, I could turn terrifying shadows in the lazy. room. No. It's up to you. I'm just... Anyway. anyway. When you were growing up, going to school, did you guys ever go on field trips to movies? Like a movie um, theater field trip? No. Okay. So, here's my backstory. About movie theater field trips. Is my brother, I was so mad at, older brother, when he was like in first grade or second... I think it was in second grade, because I was in kindergarten. And so, ergo, I would have been at the same school as him at the time, right? I think my brother, when he was in second grade, his whole class... Weirdly went on a field trip to that movie, Quest for Camelot, which I've never seen. But, you know, like, you know what that movie is, right? It's, like, big No, but animated. it doesn't sound good. It's, like, uh, well, it's the movie that killed Warner Bros. Animation after Iron Giant killed it, I believe. Because, like, Iron Giant was a commercial bomb, but a critical hit. Quest for Camelot was just a bomb all around. Like, no one liked it, and it did really bad. Mm-hmm. But anyway, no, they all went on a field trip to Quest for it. Camelot for some reason. I the title, Quest for Camelot. Probably, well, I, I can look it up later. I'm like, you know, is this actually yeah. Quest for Camelot? Because it's going to be... Some, maybe later I'll look it up and be like, this actually came out when your brother was, like, two years old. So there's no way it was Quest for Camelot. But yeah. um, anyway, I was always jealous of that. Yeah, never mind. It wasn't Quest for Camelot. No, you know what it was? They went on a field trip to the Polar Express. That makes more sense. Anyway, I was so jealous because I was in, you know... I've always loved movies, right? I've always loved movies. I've always loved going to the movies. So you didn't go on school field trips to movies? Until. Sorry, I'm going to get back to this story, but I just had a thought in my mind that I really want to say now because I don't know what I want to say later is, sorry, Mark, you're like, Danny, you're being too scattershot right now to tell the damn story. No, it's fine. I'm just like, <laughs> how many layers deep are we? Well, now which we're is all trying, good. We're, now we're jumping back to yesterday, which was, you know... <laughs> Mark is giving me such a face around the day. Stop it. This is how storytelling works. <laughs> I mean, no, you you know how storytelling works. I'm a poor uh, listener with a bad internet we're, connection. We're recording this on Good Friday, and ergo, Mario came out two days ago. And yesterday, <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> it's a connection of Mario to Good Friday. Well, I just, yeah, I thought... <laughs> yeah, that, that's how they planned it. Anyway, go on. Anyway, so so yesterday, you know, the kids actually have today off. And I have today off, which is why we're recording in the morning. Which is why I might be a little scattershot. But I heard these, like, first off... Now it's not... Because this episode will come out, like, in four... Like, after Mario's been out for, like, three or four weeks... So right now it's gonna be obvious to everyone that Mario is like a huge hit, 
But Mario was always going to be a huge hit for reasons we've already talked about in this show, which is that, like, there's been no kids' movie out since Puss in Boots. But I heard literally every child yesterday, I'm not exaggerating, every child when they got picked up were asking their parents, are we going to see the Mario movie this weekend? Every single dang kid wants to see this movie. To the point where I heard these kids arguing over what movie theater was better to see it at. And I'm like, this is so surreal to me. After months of me sitting, like, people being worried that kids weren't going to go back to movie theaters, I'm hearing every kid here argue over, which movie theater do I go to? When am I going to see Mario? I have to see it right now. Do they care about, like, popcorn? Or, like, are, do they know about Dolby sound or anything? I think what they were talking about is, um, so there's theater right by where I work. In, that's a landmark, which is a kind of a local chain. Well, actually, it's not a local chain. There's like maybe two or three land- landmarks. I mean, they have landmarks in St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Tivoli was like, a landmark. There's also a, probably a landmark in New York, and I know there's landmarks in California, but it's like they're a specialty chain where it's like there's maybe two of them a region, right? There's not a lot. The The landmark we just got is a reopening of the arc light that this town used to have. So there are three options basically for these kids. There's the AMC where we go to for field trips with the kids. Which is not what my actual story is about. It's not about me taking kids on field trips. We'll get to that when we talk about like Toy Story 4 and Finding Dory. Because I went to see both those on field trips. But, and Lightyear. But anyway, there's that AMC, which is, you know, just very standard AMC. There's an IMAX there, but it's not like kids care about IMAX, really. Especially for Mario. Then there's the Landmark, which has these recliner seats that weirdly have phone chargers in them. <laughs> I cannot understand why there's a phone charger in them. But then... There's a there's another AMC that's a little further away, but I know these kids go to because their parents are rich, where every seat is a recliner seat and it's a dine-in theater. So it's like those three theaters the kids are talking about. And there's also some of them go to the AMC I'm at because I've ran into a kid at the Batman there and I did not like it because I did not I well it's because I ran into them in the bathroom after the movie, so it's not like I want to talk to a kid while like. I'm leaving the toilet, you know? I'm like, I, this is such a weird scenario. I do not want to talk to you right now. <laughs> so I just walked right by pretending I didn't. And I don't think they saw me either. Um, but anyway, that's all. It's like, these kids are obsessed. With these, Mario's going to do huge because literally these kids are all... Like, that's going to be the highlight of their weekend is going to see Mario. And honestly, I think every parent is probably looking forward to it too just because they get a 90 minutes away. Like, I'm just... Okay, I can just relax here. <laughs> Alright, back to my story. My brother went to see Polar Express. I was so jealous. Then, I think my younger brother went on a trip too. I don't remember what he went to. But my point is, it took me forever to go on a movie field trip. Because I would go on movie field trips, but be like to the IMAX to see like a nature movie, right? So that to me isn't a movie field trip. That's like a whatever. You know, you're out for 40 minutes watching something about coral reefs. So, in 7th grade... Yeah, seventh grade, because that's when two. I'm trying to remember what grade this year. This is 2008. I'm in seventh grade. We are going on a field trip to see the Nutcracker in IMAX. So I actually lived right by an IMAX growing up, and we show up there, and we're told that due to the ice storm the day before, the IMAX projector has completely frozen over. So it's like, well, mm. shit, you know. But yeah. then my teacher's like, well. And this is, I feel like you have, there's two types of middle school teachers. There are the cool middle school teachers that understand that middle school fucking sucks. And then there are the bad middle school teachers that are like, we gotta prepare you for high school, which is gonna be insanely hard. And then you go to high school, it's not hard at all. Thankfully, my English teacher was one of the cool ones who was like, well, we're here with a bunch of kids who wanna watch a movie. Let's just watch Bolt. <laughs> so my entire English class went to watch Bolt because we'd watched The Nutcracker earlier. 
Well, we read the Nutcracker earlier in the year. So that's the whole story. So you're telling me that you have also seen Bolt, but you did not see Tokyo Mater when you saw Bolt. Yes. And I actually think I saw Bolt twice, because I think I might have seen Bolt on Thanksgiving weekend beforehand and then with the school. And both times I didn't get Tokyo Mater. Gotcha. So you didn't see Tokyo Mater until you saw it on Netflix. I think so. I am not a, like you know maybe maybe they aired it once on Disney Channel because that's that's really where we've seen these shorts. Okay. If you watch, yeah, Disney I wanted Channel to ask because I mean era. I didn't have Disney Channel in this era and I don't think I'd seen any of these until maybe a month ago when I became aware of them that we were doing them. So I'm just trying to pull some tales out of you because I I have no tales. Uh, I mean, I remember just, you know, you watch these a ton. These are always on Disney Channel. And it's something where initially you're like, aha. But really, I, they're they're fine. They're like the Disney Channel music video, right? I mean, I guess maybe you don't know what Disney Channel music oh. videos were. Well, I kind, of, I kind of know what you mean. It's like there's a music video which is kind of intercut with shots from shows. Yeah, or like even just like, you know... Like, Nick Jonas, like, I remember Paranoid being played a lot. That wasn't really cut with the show. It's just Jonas Brothers were, like, a Disney Channel thing. Or a Disney mm-hmm. thing. They're, like, the whole model of Disney Channel, which I believe is still in effect, is that they don't take advertisements, actually. They only advertise Disney product. Or, like, maybe, like, if Disney has a tie-in with, like, something, they'll be like, oh, yeah, Happy Meal Toys right now based off Bolt. You know, that, that will be it. Mm-hmm. But... So, ergo, when these shows end with 22 minutes, like, you know, the 22-minute shows with commercial breaks, there's usually, like, a longer gap in between the show ending and the next show starting than you would expect on most networks, because they don't really have a lot of ads. Like, they maybe Mm -hmm. will have, like, two or three ads for other Disney Channel stuff or Disney properties during the normal commercial breaks, and then maybe, like, a six- or seven-minute block afterwards. And right now, or at least... When I've seen Disney Channel, not that I watch Disney Channel regularly, but I know they, after these, they kind of transitioned into those Mickey Mouse shorts that are now, like, very popular. Or, mm-hmm. among animation people, I actually like the Mickey Mouse shorts from what I've seen of them, too, but... Oh, yeah, I've seen a few of them, but I haven't, like, I haven't really gotten where, like, into them. Yeah, I feel like they'd be something where if I had kids, I would definitely, like, put them on the background. Be that and Bluey. Mickey Mouse and Bluey are two faves. Have you seen Bluey yet? No, although I will say... Uh... I asked, like, a kid, of my, one of my kids at work also um, went to Disney World, you know, over break, and I asked him, who's your favorite person you met? And she just goes, Bluey, and I'm like, nice, <laughs> cool. I like that Bluey's right. in the park. <laughs> you really need to watch Bluey. It's... No, I don't. Here's my whole thing about Bluey. It's one of those, it's, it's like Harry Potter, but except it's good. Because my whole thing with Bluey is there is so much stuff I need to watch. So why would I ever watch this now when it's always going to exist and I hope to have children someday? I mean, just, well, you should, I mean, maybe ideally know what you're feeding your children. I don't need to know what I'm feeding my children with Bluey. Literally, I have not heard a single person say Bluey is bad for kids. Bluey is like the biggest word of mouth sensation for kids ever, I feel. At least in our, like, recently. Ever since streaming came out. Because it's really just like, you know, like, I don't want my kid watching Kokomo. Well, show him Bluey. And like, you know, you know Alan Steppenwall, right? The, like, I, TV yeah, critic. I, I'm aware of him. He, like, put Bluey as one of his favorite shows of last year. So I know Bluey's supposed to be damn good. Yeah. Well, I'm just... Well, that's what I'm saying. It's, like, it's not, like... It's not, like, a completionist thing. Like, I don't love all the episodes of Primal. I'm just comparing it to another, like, cartoon short thing that was artistic... uh, Like, critically acclaimed and all of that. Like, I'm watching that for me. I just... I think you... You and everybody 
should watch I think it's called the Sleepy Time episode of Bluey just because it's a really good show and I think it's like seven minutes long and you can just get it done and then you know what the hype is all about if it's available anywhere besides Disney Plus which we share to watch things on but everyone should go what? watch the Sleepy Time episode of Bluey what I will say, my one Bluey story is to put someone on blast who will never guest on this show as far as I'm aware and talk about someone who's been previously on the show and talk about turning red and it's all about Bluey is my Bluey story is is I went to see I went to you know California to see turning red and I ended up going with another friend of mine who lives in Pittsburgh and we shared a hotel and they um a little hostile but you know it doesn't matter you know they had not yet seen Northwood Pie and we were going to go to Knott's Berry Farm with Jay on the like I think we flew in on Friday and Knott's was on Sunday. So we had like, they had like two days to watch Northwood Pie on their phone. They had it, they had it on Amazon Prime, you know, because it's on Amazon Prime for free. I don't know if it still is, but it was. And I just remember them starting it, getting 10 minutes into it, and then just switching over to Bluey. And then the next day, when me and Jay were talking about his new script in Northwood Pie, they just like, oh yeah, Northwood Pie is great. And I was like, I know you didn't actually watch this. You just watched Bluey. Well, if if you have to if you have to lose to something, it might as well be Bluey. I, just, I don't know, man. Why do you like if he's meeting this guy for the first time? Why does he have to watch his film? Like. I well, feel like it was because well, it's because they said they'd watched it like four months ago, four or five months ago, and they didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like if I'm meeting someone, I'm I'm kind of. To me, it's better I've... just to, to me. The whole thing was, why don't you say sorry? I haven't got around to it yet. I wasn't gonna snitch on the bluey thing. <laughs> like you. Oh well, I mean, as I don't know, man. No one has to watch anything. That's he's in I an agree. awkward situation. But anyway, so we're talking about Mater, the first four episodes of Mater's Tall Tales. And I believe you're gonna correct me if I'm wrong, we're talking about the first four episodes because they were released slowly. The eleven episodes of Mater's Tall Tales were released over a few years, so we'll watch the other ones as they came out, but we're starting with like yeah, the first batch I, and then the one that came out with I basically split them up into years of release and they actually didn't really slowly come out in 2008 it was Rescue Squad Mater Mater the Greater and El Matador all aired in consecutive days on Toon Disney as their first release mm -hmm. and then Tokyo Mater as we said already was put in theaters with Bolt yeah so in 2009 there's only one though so we'll just actually cover the next short as like a short that will be coupled with another short but yeah and if people don't know, Mater's Tall Tales are stories where Mater is talking with Lightning McQueen about things that he has done, usually in foreign countries, where he's like the coolest guy ever, and Lightning doesn't believe him, and at some point Mater says, well, you are there too, and then Lightning appears in the story, Mark, and then I the was short literally gonna say, ends. like, of course, I was literally gonna, like, when you were done with the script, I was gonna be like, well, of course I know that, they were there too. <laughs> about who? The listeners, of course, the listeners know that they were there too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So that's that's the premise, and I think, I mean, that's basically it. That's all you need to know. And um, they, Owen Wilson didn't come back to be Lightning, but Larry the Cable Guy came back to be Mater. Which shocks me for Tokyo Mater. The other three, because the TV episodes doesn't surprise me, but Tokyo Mater to me is very clearly like has a little bit more production value to it. 
And I would have mm-hmm. thought maybe they got Owen Wilson back for that one. I was yeah, kind it's of Keith Ferguson, not Owen Wilson. Yeah, who's but, a very good working voice actor. Yeah, maybe yeah, he's and I. <laughs> Check. <laughs> You've cursed. Them. No, he's he looks like he's fine. So yeah. far, but <laughs> yeah, I just clicked his personal life on Wikipedia. Here's here's what he's Wikipedia's got on personal life, saying with the note, "This needs expansion." Dated November 2016. So this has been on Wikipedia since November 2016. Ferguson's oh, wow. mother was a is is a retired probate estate specialist, whilst his father was a concert pianist who was one of Southern California's most popular piano men until his death in 1999. So, <laughs> oh, actually, <laughs> you know who he played? What he played Han Solo. Oh, when in the Lego Movie and Robot Chicken. Ah, fun. I feel well, like actually the Lego yeah. movies because everyone else in that movie Blake is voiced by the person who plays him in the movie. So like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, Han Solo in the Lego movie. Anyway, yeah. Well, cool. Keith Ferguson, he does fine. Um, he doesn't sound like Owen Wilson, but when you're watching television and probably like half watching these things, you you know whatever. I think that was my takeaway from these is that they are all fine, and I was just kind of like whatever. I did. I checked myself. I watched some original Clone Wars shorts alongside these and I was like eh, if you so like... much better those are so much better well they're man. so much better but like if you just watch them in isolation I yeah it well I, I couldn't think of a short comedy thing I guess but... well, for the next time you you should watch the Mickey Mouse ones well I but watched I... like the I, I watched a short goofy short from like the 40s or whenever oh, yeah. that came out pretty recently and that is also like Way way funnier, but I, yeah. Do you ever watch the um goofy show they put out for COVID? Because to me, I just didn't. They have a goofy show they put on Disney Plus like a few months into COVID that was just like goofy dealing with masks and stuff. And I was kind of just like, this. I don't like this. Goofy shouldn't have to deal with COVID. Like, like the yeah. idea of Goofy dealing with real world problems is not something I want to see. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he I should mean, get to have a happy life. I, I didn't know about that. It's it doesn't you know, I can't comment on that because I I know nothing about it. But yeah. Basically well whatever, Mater's tall tales. So what I mean I hate these. Yeah. You hate well, these. Well let me rephrase. I hate the Disney Channel ones. And it's one of those things that it's like I don't know if I made this analogy before on the show, but I feel like if I haven't it's gonna if it's gonna come eventually. It reminds me of bagels. And the reason I say that is and actually like I think food? that is kinda relevant because this is around, no, actually, no, this is a couple years after I moved. I think in, two, yeah, in 2006, that's when I moved to, when I grew up, I lived first until fifth grade. I don't know how many years of my life. To so fifth grade, I lived in Portage, Indiana, which is, you know, just it's a town, whatever. But our house only had two bedrooms. Well, three bedrooms, one master bedroom, two for the kids. And there are three of us. So my parents were like, well, we got to find somewhere else to go because Danny can't always be living with his little brother in the same room, right? Not, mm-hmm. you know, it's not the way I said it, it's my fault. Oh, I know, I have told the story because I was talking about Belfast once and how Belfast made me cry because it has that sequence where they tell them, hey, we're going to go move and like... Yeah, 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 but where are the bagels in the story? Okay, so in July 2006, I get that story, Chris, my birthday happens, I'm told we're going to move. Okay. We're moving only the town over. We're actually moving closer to where we go to church. Because every Sunday morning we go to church, we drive like 20, 25 minutes to go to church. For the first three months of school, though, my parents don't want to start me new. Even though I actually want to be started new there. 
because if you start me, you know, if you start me in October when we move, then I'm the new kid and everyone wants to talk to me, right? I also get to say goodbye to my friends at my school. That happens, right? But my parents are like, no, we're going to drive you 25 minutes. I don't know why my parents have this. Maybe someday I should ask them. I'm actually curious about the reason behind it now that I'm talking about it. But we're, we're going to drive you to school every day for 25 minutes, drive you back, drive our way back. It's fine. It's a sacrifice that we'll do for three months because we're going to move here and you'll be able to meet people. The reason that sucked, though, was because I started in fifth grade. And for my older brother, he started in seventh grade, which meant all these people in their schools like we're coming the way our district was set, that district was set up was like after fourth grade you combined like three elementary schools into one intermediate school or after middle seventh grade you combined the two intermediate schools into one middle school so it's like every kid was coming in already with their friend group from the previous school right yeah so it, it was harder for us to try to like get friends and fit in because we weren't the new kid we weren't someone people wanted to talk to we, everyone just figured we must have been at the other school right mm-hmm but so those first three months, my parents every day, because we were in a rush to get to school, would just toast a bagel, put cream cheese and jelly on it, and we'd eat it in the car. And I used to love bagels, but then you eat it every day for five for three months, five days a week. You start hating bagels <laughs> because it's just I wish I could just have like a waffle, you know, like a, like you want cereal, you want like a different kid breakfast, right, or even toast. But the thing about bagels was, is, you know, toast and waffles, you can't eat that in the car. You can't eat, mm-hmm. obviously, a cereal in the car really either. So it's like, bagels it is, every day. And since then, I didn't like bagels for a very, probably until I went to college. I just did not like bagels mm-hmm. anymore because I ate it too much during a time that was very rough for me. Now, cars, these car students weren't out during a time that was rough for me, but what they were was force-fed to me multiple times over and over again on Disney Channel. <laughs> Why? Well, I just wanted to watch Wizards of Waverly Place or like Sweet Life on Deck. I just wanted to watch my dang shows. Or finish them. I just wanted to watch my shows and get just the TV shows. I did not need to keep watching the same exact Mater shorts over and over and over again. Yeah. So that is why I hate these shorts. I also think like, I, I really don't think they're funny. Or, they're all structured exactly the same with the exception of Tokyo Mater, which I do like. I actually do like Tokyo Mater. Tokyo Mater I find very funny. Um, I also think Tokyo Mater is better because, you know, since I saw it in 2018 after I've seen the Fast and Furious movies and Tokyo Drift, there are a lot of very hyper-specific parodies of Tokyo Drift in there. Plus, there are some really funny, like, I think the donut gag is so funny. I was like, that's amazing. Like, this is a great joke. And also the Monsters, Inc. cameo, one of the few, like, Pixar cameos that actually made me laugh. But the other three are just like, I've watched these way too much growing up, and they're really not that clever. They're just, let's transpose this basically Looney Tunes short idea into Cars and see how that works. And Mm -hmm. Mater is not as dynamic a character as Bugs Bunny or Daffy and all those people. Well, I think the thing with Mater is that, like, it's basically, like, one one joke with Mater. I don't know. I I find Mater dynamic and fun, but they don't... They don't give him a lot to do in the shorts. Well, that's why... That's why Tokyo Mater's the best one. Because he has yeah. the most... It's also, like, the fact that it gets to be a full short and not just two minute, like two and a half minutes, maybe, I think. Yeah. I think all of them are, like, three or four minutes at the most. And then Tokyo Mater's, like, seven or eight minutes. And it's like, okay, cool. Yeah. Everything about to- Tokyo Mater is... I, I don't mean to, like, only talk about Tokyo Mater, but Tokyo Mater is so different from these because Tokyo Mater 1 doesn't imply that it actually happened compared to everything else. Everyone else ends, like, with a gag where it's like, oh, yeah, this definitely happened. 
Toki made her Enzo just made her being weird, which makes it a lot more easy to swallow and funnier, honestly. I think it's mm-hmm. funnier that Tokyo made her Enzo him just pretending to be a Tokyo car by having, like, boxes on him. That's a funnier ending than this, like, oh, look, there are bulls right here. That's not as funny. And then also Toki made her, you know, like, builds in the lightning arriving into the story, like, with the animation of lightning, like, beaming in. And, of yeah. course, like, builds in Tokyo, like, him actually visiting Tokyo. So, mm-hmm. like, to me, Tokyo made her is, like, a, the full... It's like the full thing. It's like a full meal. Whereas the other ones are just like a little parsley on the side of the meal. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with all of that. And I think also a thing, too, is like you can see in the, the first two shorts, they're kind of exploring concepts and beats that later are become part of Tokyo Mater. Like I noticed... You know they do they do play with like what level of real is all of this and what is Mater's role. I think that Mater the Greater is the weakest of all of these shorts because it abandons the idea that Mater is really good at whatever he sets out to do, and mm. it's just That's kind fair. of like jokes about like what if Mater was in this situation? But the whole joke is that Mater is already in this situation but he's really good at everything and that's why tokyo tokyo mater is it's funnier i, I also think, think the the issue of mater the greater in particular is i think a lot of these to me how much they save me depends on how they end and the fact that mater the greater just it has the weakest ending of these it's just like oh yeah we all died it's like what <laughs> Like, what are you talking about? It's funny about? you say that, because I actually think that, like, it's it's not as strong as Tokyo Mater, where they acknowledge that it probably didn't happen, but I think, th- I actually really like that ending. I, I think the whole incorporation of, of Lightning into Mater the Greater is a great example of what role Lightning should play in these shorts, you know? He just gets swept in... And then he's immediately in the worst situation possible, and then the short ends. That's that's funnier to me. I, I just don't I just don't think that the other shorts we've watched so far go as hard. I mean, I think El Matador. I like the paint job on Lightning. I think that's, isn't that the only one where his paint job is different. I think. Oh wow! Besides Tokyo, Tokyo. I didn't even notice to- it. Well, I did because it's like he, he's dressed up like Mater is. Um, I actually think the Mater El Matador also is just kind of like it's kind of. Some of these are a little lazy. Uh, and I think El Matador is definitely one of them because it's like, I think the stadium is pretty much the exact same as the stadium you see in, of course, both Mater the Greater and um, the mo- the Cars movie itself. Whereas, like, obviously, Tokyo Mater is, like, really also, like, a visual wonder. It's like, oh, here's Tokyo in the Cars world. I have all these colors. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, I don't know. El Mater, yeah. I don't know. I'll, honestly, the three of them blend together to me. The three that aren't Tokyo Mater all blend together to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think I did, the other thing I wanted to say about paint job, even though this might not be interesting to use, well, it's because you brought up in our cars episode. It has the casual lightning paint job that's in the middle of cars, like lightning has that in these shorts. Oh yeah, he's uh, on when he's what, in Radiator Springs and they. Well, what I was gonna say is I knew. I think this is why this might because especially now hearing that you didn't watch these shorts, I think this might explain our different thoughts on that in a way. Because to me. I saw these shorts so much on Disney Channel that to me that was just codified as like, okay, that's lightning casual. And then I was surprised, you know, in Cars 2 and in Cars 3 where you don't get that. 
But to, and you're like, well, you know, it's just a little bit of the scene, you know. And at the end, he's. I don't think he has. Does he have the? I don't think he has the paint job at the end of Cars One. I think he's back in. I don't think his so. Yeah. Racing outfit. Well, and having so, not seen Cars Two, I imagine it's because he goes back to racing, so he would get back to having a racing paint job. No, not you'll see at the beginning of Cars Two. He's not. He's. It's the off season. Spoiler alert! It's the. I have to watch Cars too. We're almost there. We've got three movies left. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's gonna be like the end of this year before I see Cars too. I think, I think that I think it's August at the latest. But go on, sorry. Yeah, this is like I could be living another life. Um, <laughs> okay. Rescue Squad Mater. I think you know. Let's not unfairly malign Rescue Squad Mater because I think they were trying a lot of things out, and I do think it's the first one. You know. Yeah. It's, and you I gotta figure I, out how it works. They understand the joke of it, which is which which is, is the joke that they keep, which is you take Mater and you just put him in this world and make him the best at everything. And that is that's basically how these shorts work is he should just be the star of the show and nothing goes wrong for him. And I, I like that they understood that with the first the first short right out the bat and then they play with it a little bit but that's basically what they stick to in the majority of these shorts i think that works very well and i also think that it's interesting that eventually they decide these should be a showcase for different aspects of the car's universe rescue squad mater is an homage to like 80s emergency shows like like emergency and I don't want to say which one it is, but there is one Mater short that to me is like, I think on Letterboxd I currently have it at 4 out of 5. I think it's the best piece of the card universe. There's one Mater short. Uh, which one is it's that? It's not any of these. I, do you want to know now, or do you want to well, wait? Yeah. Or have you watched them all? Have you watched them all? I haven't watched them all. Oh, okay. Well, I've it's the like Private Eye one. I like the Private oh, Eye one. Okay. I think the Private Eye one is really great. Mm-hmm. And of course, we'll do a whole episode on the Private Eye one, in which Ever Ever shorts came out that year for Mater. But yeah, yeah. But I didn't is... watch that one for this episode, yeah. so yeah, we'll save that one. But maybe I'll watch it after we finish recording. But but um, yeah. I mean, but I also do think Tokyo because I was you know I I was uh, these aren't my going to be my current grades because I'm sure people if they see my letterbox now after this episode I will have updated the grades. But right now my grades on letterbox these from the Materthon were Rescue Squad Mater two out of five, Mater the Greater one point five out of five, El Mater Door one out of five, and then Tokyo Mater three out of five. I like you wouldn't Mater. give Rescue Squad Mater a diplomatic three. I would definitely give it a not. Diplomatic three. No, but you you remember again all three of these first ones. I know every joke that's gonna happen. They can't surprise me anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they made me laugh when I was a kid either. I was just one. I just wanted to watch Wizard of Waverly Place. Okay, I just I didn't come here to watch Mater. I came here to watch Wizard of Waverly Place. <laughs> yeah, I do think it is uh, a problem with these shorts is that they seem designed to play in the background yeah which is why Tokyo again Tokyo I don't want to like keep being like Tokyo Mater is so good but Tokyo Mater is really good because it is a full short there's a lot of good clever jokes in it that actually do play with like car puns um and it's gorgeous like it is a much more actually you know what Tokyo Mater reminds me of I was I was saying this while I was watching it another reason I like it is because it not only reminds me of obviously Tokyo Drift and Fast and Furious because that's what the joke is like, it's obviously trying to parody Tokyo Drift. But it also reminds me of, like, the arcade racing games where, like, you know, you're, like, trying to, like... 
oh no, like, you know, like you're in a half pipe and like, you've got to avoid these things that are rolling back and forth around you while you're on the, in the race, you know? It's just mm-hmm. a nice over-the-top arcade game. And also, kind of like The Incredibles, um, the sense of speed in Tokyo Mater is really great, I think. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah. that's another thing that adds to its scale. Is like you're moving through all this environment really fast, and it's like it looks expensive. I'm sure it's they figured out a way to not make it expensive. But it's funny that this you you are so positive about Tokyo Mater, but I have not seen Tokyo Drift, so my perce- my conception of Tokyo is so different. Like I get that this is a vision of Tokyo, but. Mine comes from like much quieter Japanese movies, so I'm always like. But you've played uh, arcade games, right? Because I even think like stuff like at the beginning where like the showgirls are like the lights, right? Where it's like ready, set, go. I think even that feels like an arcade to me more than Fast and Furious. Yeah, but I think I don't know. I mean, I I feel like you may have played more arcade games than I have. I could never figure out. I don't know if I've played more than like two or three arcade games because I could never figure out how to make them work. I so when I when we go on field trips to the arcades with the kids, which they still exist, people want to pretend they don't, but like most bowling alleys still have an arcade, and obviously there are places like Dave and Buster's that exist that we take the kids to. Anyway, take the kids to Dave and Buster's. Yeah, actually, fun stories. Um, once it was my first. What was this? I did. It was the first week I think of the first summer I worked, and I caught my kids at like at the bar. David Busters and I was like to my boss I was like uh my kids are in the bar and they're not listening to me <laughs> to leave the bar because <laughs> it's like they close it like they close it for because we're such a big group mm. but it's like these kids are just sitting in the bar playing like Pokemon cards I'm like they can't do that <laughs> I mean that's kind of cool is there some law about like kids being in proximity to alcohol that you have to follow I have no idea. I was just like, well, we weren't, the thing was more like there was no adult supervision there, you know, oh. but also it just was really funny. Like they were sitting on bar stools, just comparing Pokemon cards. And I was like, this, this shouldn't be going on. This doesn't feel right to me. Oh man. But no, Maybe my point it, is when I, yeah. what? Oh, it just seems like is, that's something that kids would know and be like, let's do this because it seems cool. But uh, anyway, come on. Um, but mm, I on. try to play, um, I try, they sometimes give us a card to play with the kids. And I'm usually like, all right, I'm not going to waste my card on, like, skee-ball, dumb stuff like that. I'm going to just, I'm, I'll play Mario Kart, like, you know, Mario Kart, Gran Turismo, not Gran Turismo, that's not the name, Cruisin', Cruisin' USA, you know, like, all the race, I'm down for any racing game a kid wants to play with me. But beyond mm-hmm. that, I'm like, no, I'm good. Well, you know what, I also play, like, um, like a Street Fighter game. If they have, like, a fighting game, I'll play that with a kid, too. I just don't like playing. As, you know, as a kid, you're told, play the games that are going to give you tickets at Chuck E. Cheese. But as an adult, you're like, nah, I'm... I'm just gonna. Oh no! You know what? I'll play, I'll play like the Jurassic Park shooting game with the kids. You know how there are a couple like shooting games that are actually okay to play. With? But oh yeah, I only like to play the video games. I don't like playing the other games with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but my whole point is that's where my knowledge of like Cruise in USA and like th- that's where the vibe of Tokyo Mater really gets to me. Is mm-hmm. this is what a Cars arcade game would feel like? Gotcha. Where like you have to like you're going through that half pipe. You have to do the full loop while you get out and then you get shot up into the air. Um, Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'd have to check out Tokyo Drift at some point. I have to learn about family. I should actually rewatch Tokyo Drift. I have it on a low grand letterbox, and I don't think I would agree with that anymore because I watched it before I watched the Ever Fast and Furiouses, and I, I think it just before takes you a had like dive. gotten used to what Fast and Furious was. Before I really knew what Justin Lin's were like, you know, 
But I think Justin Lin's are the best, although four sucks. But four okay. has to suck because it's a transition. It's like we got to transition as to what Justin Lin wants to be. Whereas Tokyo Drift is kind of like a side story, so it's like okay to be whatever it wants to be already. But, yeah, yeah. Another thing uh, I'll say about Mater is it's just surprising that like they're figuring out short comedy at this point in the Pixar world. Like we've watched so many other shorts, and it's some of them seem really tight and good, and these seem kind. These seem so experimental. The production is there; it's obviously cheaper, but it seems like I I just got really hung up on how they're playing with the concept so much in these first four episodes, and it seems strange to me that Pixar is like we don't know why Mater in these situations is funny but we should put him in them. Which is why, again, I said, I, I don't want to keep being like, yeah, that's why Tokyo Mater's great, but it's because the jokes are beyond just Mater in that one compared to every other one where it's pretty much just, ah, it's Mater! Be, do do yeah. something funny, Mater! And it's like, yeah. put the camera on Mater, and Mater's like, hey guys, Mater here, like and mm-hmm. subscribe. Um, I wanted yeah. to add one other thing before I get into my letterbox segment, which is I think in Mater the Greater, something happens that I usually yell at Cars 2 about, but this predates Cars 2 so much, is that there is a bit in Cars 2. This is one... So, you know my my basic argument about Cars 2, right? Because I've said it before, which is it's the best Cars movie because it's the stupidest one because it realizes the world has no actual set rules, and so it's fun that way. One of my big arguments there, as I always use, is that near the beginning of Cars 2, there's a sequence where Mater eats wasabi by accident thinking it's ice cream and like that sequence makes no sense because in the first movie they go out of the way to show these cars fuel up they don't really do anything beyond fuel and they don't use their mouths except to talk except there's a tongue for some reason mm-hmm. um but then in one of these shorts they're sipping on the oil i don't remember i think it was el matador they're sipping on the oil that flows before and it's not like they're hooked up to the gas pipe and i was like oh so i guess it does originate here that idea that they do use their mouths to drink even though it, yeah again it's not really ice cream it's car stuff but still yeah but that, that was one thing that popped off in my head too is like i always complain about this the cars world and it's right here it there begins wasn't something here. mater the greater that you were annoyed about i thought you were mentioned in that short was it a mater the great i can't remember if it was mater or the greater el matador i said these old oh i don't know they kind of blended together for me too that's just the one that you said and then you were like oh it was in the matador anyway uh, what I was your letterbox to thing i thought that all was... right so as i said i've hinted at before when i did my matathon i logged you for every one of these and on all but one of these, I have one of the top three highest liked reviews on Letterboxd from this marathon. I'm going to read them, because they're all joke reviews. So I'm going to read them all, and I want I want your approval of them. Okay. So Rescue Squad Mater, I have the second most popular review on Letterboxd for. It's a two out of five. The review is just, can we talk about how the ambulance ate Lightning McQueen? Thumb down. Second no, most liked review. Up. Mater the Greater, I have the most popular review on Letterboxd. It's 1.5. The review is just 46 likes, by the way. The other one had 28, I think. 46 mm. likes. Uh, the review is just Tom Cruise, take notes. Which makes sense because this came Wait, out right what? after Mission Impossible Fallout did. Oh. I watched it right after Mission Impossible Fallout came out. So, oh. Tom Cruise, take notes is the entire review of Mater Incredible. the Greater. Incredible. <laughs> Um, I'm going to actually jump ahead to Tokyo Mater because it's the only... Oh, sorry. No, no. Sorry. I'm not. El Mater Door is the only one that isn't popular. It only got four likes. It's one on five. It's just... What a load of bull. 
parentheses dozer. You can thumb down that one. No one else liked it too. It only got. I like that one. <laughs> yeah, what a load of bulldozer. That one should be your most liked. <laughs> well, for Tokyo Mater, because this is the most watched one, because it was in front of a movie, in front of Bolt. I only have the second most popular review, but it is 87 likes. And actually, no, before I read it, I read mine, I want to read Zombie T-Rex, who has the most popular review of this movie, which is it's never um, joke one, which is three out of five. It says, the only good non-Ghibli anime is that person's review. I'm like, okay, I can be beat by that one. (laughs) But mine, with 87 likes, is, I think I speak for everyone when I ask, when are they going to add Mater to the Fast and Furious franchise? That's a good review. Yeah. He's but an yeah, orphan. He needs family. What? Isn't Mater an orphan? I don't think it's canon or not. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> we don't know who any of these people's parents are, but it's never true. mind. That doesn't matter in the Cars universe. Anyway, do you have any final thoughts on Mater? I mean, not on Mater himself, because we, we've got on whatever. to talk about it. No, I get what you're saying. Um, I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting covering these with the dichotomy of your unfamiliarity with them with me having seen so many of these so much because i think the next two are ones that i've also watched a lot but then there are like the last few of these i mean there's 11 of them so maybe more than the next two but the last few of these weren't ever actually released on like they were released on dvd so mm-hmm. it's like those ones i'm also not familiar with either so we'll see yeah we'll see how our, it develops i don't know can we give something to this yet or should we wait till the whole mater series is done to give it something Eh, I don't know. I feel about as strongly with them as I feel with, like, I guess we can wait. When I, I made breakfast this morning, and sometimes when you make breakfast, your, like, approach to the breakfast changes as you're making it. Like, you feel more or less hungry, so you, you start, yeah. like, adding things. But because you don't have a full conception of the breakfast you want to make, the breakfast at the end comes out kind of funky. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give these first four that funky breakfast that I made this morning, which was, like, half-conceived and came out kind of half-baked. I think that's what they deserve. I'm going to give it, um, just because I can do it now and now I won't give, do it again, but I will give it a little minifigure of Han Solo because Keith Ferguson does a good job. I, you know what? We, we, we kind of glossed over and we don't need to talk about it more, but another reason Tokyo Mater is really good is because he gets to, like, show off his voicing. You know, the other ones is just like he's doing Owen Wilson impression, and that one he's doing like a weird anime parody, and I like it more personally. I don't know about you, but yeah, I'm gonna give these um a little, or you know, actually never mind. I'm sorry, I'm taking back the Lego minifigure. Maybe I'll give it later on when we talk about him again. I'm gonna give it a copy of Tokyo Drift. <laughs> Great. Yeah, Tokyo Drift. Tokyo I Drift. Think about, you know, I always think about Tokyo about Drift drifting. also. Actually, mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it. I never mind. I already gave it Tokyo Drift. But I always think about Tokyo Drift. I don't actually think about the movie Tokyo Drift. I think about the moment in Twenty Two Jump Street where they're driving like the car in Cuba and they just suddenly like do a drift by accident. And Jonah Hill just says Tokyo Drift. <laughs> that movie came out way after Tokyo Drift was like that came out after like Fast Five did, or even fa- I think they came out after Fast and Furious Six did. So it's like just yelling Tokyo yeah. Drift is just a weird thing to do. I, like, well, Tokyo I Drift is that. like Citizen Kane. It it has become part of the culture. I I really should watch it. It is a movie that I think more people talk about than they actually watch. Yeah. And I think well, also the reason Tokyo Mater works in a way it's I'm sorry I know we are already done but like the 
Because Tokyo, the closest Fast and character to Mater is obviously Lucas Black and Tokyo Trips. <laughs> like, maybe I have no idea, but anyway, well, just they both have southern accents. That's all. Oh, yeah. But you were—are you saying that it works because no one's actually seen Tokyo Drift? Everyone just kind of knows about it. I don't know why it works. It's just this weird alchemy thing, where the fact that, like, you know, there's all these. Uh, I think the way the thing that's interesting about it is that every Fast and Furious movie you'll refer to by the number. Except for Tokyo Drift. Tokyo Drift is just Tokyo Drift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Although Too to Fast, Too Furious is too good of a title not to say as much as as much as you can. Too Fast, yeah. Too Furious. But yeah. Well, what are we doing next time? Next time, we will be covering a couple shorts again. Because we're building up to Up. We're going to cover Bernie, the short film that was on the WALL-E DVD. And Partly Cloudy, which was the short in front of Up in the theater. So, cool. yeah, we've got, we've got two little shorts to talk about. All right. Shall we read the credits? Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. Looking for the Ocean is produced by Mark... Sorry. No, I'm going to put that under it. <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah, now, now we're doing this for the first time. We have to make the decision about will we play the music Wait. or will one of us sing it while the other one talks? Hmm? Don't I have to start... I think we should leave all this discussion about reading credits in the episode. By the way, yeah, um, sure. I'm, well, I, I think I should because should... of the way, well, because of the way this plays out. It, I I check the alternating lines. I have to start if we're alternating lines. I think I should start because you should say the show is edited by Mark Young. Okay, we'll just keep going. Go ahead. All right, all right, all right. I mean, I might be wrong, but whatever. I, d- I didn't like check these. We're gonna go for it. <laughs> we're gonna go for it. We're gonna keep our lines exactly how you want to. Okay, okay. go. Go. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. <laughs> Looking for the Ocean is produced by Mark Young and Danny Vincent. The show is edited by Mark Young. Our original artwork was designed by Sarah Knopf. You can follow us on social media at Facebook at Looking for the Ocean, Instagram at Looking for the Ocean Pod, and Twitter at Pixar Journey. Ah, yeah, no, no, I no. see that. I, Mark, Mark, Mark yeah, sticks this on. I didn't read his line. <laughs> and said, also on our website, lookingforTheOceanPixar.podbean.com. All right, great. You can follow me <laughs> on uh, MarkYoungPerformer.com. That has my socials and everything that I'm up to. You can follow me, Danny, at Blankmints on Bladderboxed. Not Twitter. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a public know. Twitter. I refuse. You don't have a public Twitter? I, yeah. I never know because I've, I'm where you are on but Twitter. But you follow me on at BlankMits at Letterboxd. You can listen to my other podcast, The Snub Club, where we talk about movies that have the most Oscar noms and no wins. All right. We'll see you next time. See you next time. <laughs>